sending Dan off on his holly bobs. Welcome to Hand of Pod. episode 348 of Hand of Pod. I've just remembered I haven't yet tweeted, as you pointed out to me a couple of minutes ago, uh, our request for questions, so I'll do that in a second. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined by English Dan. Hello, just remember, if you're listening, this is recorded, so don't listen to Sam ask for questions and then write in your question, because we've already answered yes, the questions. Easy to get confused, yes. but don't do that. And we are not live. We're also joined by Andres. Hello and welcome. Um, this is probably going to be a, a fairly short episode, partly because Dan is off on holiday on Saturday, and uh, I imagine has stuff to do this evening. Later yes, tonight. as always. <laughs> and tomorrow and on Saturday he had to, of course, pack other things too. Yes, I mean the flight's at midday, so at 11.55 we'll be finalising the suitcases, I'm sure. Uh, and partly because I did not see any football at all over the weekend. Uh, this was due, in, in small part, this was due to um, one of you lot listening, because one of our very longest-term listeners, and indeed one of our very first patrons, uh, Ursus Arctos, his brother-in-law is in town at the moment, oh. so I met up with oh. him and his family uh, and showed them around on Sunday. So that's why I didn't see any matches on Sunday. It's not why I didn't see any matches on Sunday. Uh, that, that, that was because of the kids' day that was on Sunday. No, no. That Here was, in Argentina uh, it was at least. That's not the reason. Every day's kids' day in Argentina. Yeah. And Saturday was my girlfriend's birthday, so didn't watch very much. Ah, happy birthday. Either. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'll pass those on to her. Um, anyway, for that reason, I'm just trying to talk while tweeting, which is harder <laughs> than it sounds. So... Um, Let's go through the results in just a few seconds. We'll be recording Hop438. Any questions for us? Again, don't write in now. You're too late. Don't don't write in. Well, I mean, you'll be in time for the next episode. True. Um, But here we go. Right. Scores from last week were Colón 2, Tigre 1, Huracan 1, Newells 0, Lanús 1, Arsenal 0, Godoy Cruz 1, Independiente 1, River 3, Central Córdoba 0, Defensa y Justicia 0, Boca Juniors 1, Rosario Central 0, Banfield 1, Estudiantes 1, Unión 0, Racing 1, San Lorenzo 2, Platense 0, Tacheres 0, Vélez 1, Sarmiento 1, now, when I read my prediction out for um, this match, this next match last week, I believe it was Dan who interjected saying, don't watch this one. And sure enough, Patronato versus Argentinos finished 0-0. Atletico Tucumán 4, Barracas Central 0, and Gimnasia 0, Aldo Civi 0. Those results, of course, mean that Atletico Tucumán still lead 
the table. Mm. Uh, they are three points. They're still three points, I think I'm right in saying, because Himnasia also won, didn't they? Yes. Uh, clear of Himnasia in second. Um, so Atletico Tucumán, the first team to pass the 30-point barrier. They've got 32 points. Himnasia 29, Huracán 27, Argentinos 27. And uh, River are now up to fifth on 25 points, just ahead of Godoy Cruz on goal difference. Racing seventh on 24, one point ahead of San Lorenzo, who of course the team who just beat them. Yes, um, and well deserved, I must admit. Um, I think uh, we've all kind of missed San Lorenzo a bit. They've been flying on the radar, under the radar, and with good reason, because for most of the last two, if not three years, they've been awful. But Robin and Suez really whipped them into shape, and I must admit, I hadn't seen that huge amount of them before having to bear 90 minutes of whatever that was on Monday in the stadium. Um, and you could wonder how they managed to get so many draws, because they've had in, what, 15 games, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 draws. And the reason is they're really, really difficult to break down. Um, and it seemed they they come to Racing to play for the draw just... Two very very deep um, banks of four, banks of four, or possibly a bank of four and a yeah yeah probably nine men behind the ball all the time, and only uh, Barredo kind of playing up there. Adam Barredo is the lone um, centre forward, just really organised. Didn't let Racing get anywhere near the net at all. Uh, and Racing did this thing they've done a few times, um, which is basically when they find a team who are very tough to break down, who are kind of disrupting their possession on the edge of the area at least, while just giving them um, the run of the rest of the pitch. Just not adapting, not kind of trying to mix it up by I, playing I, a bit I more direct. Like yeah, I imagine so. Although, you know, we're, you're in better shape. This week than you were last week. That's Indeed, one thing we can say. Racing, not so much. Um, so, very frustrating her first half where Racing had all of the play essentially and really nothing to show for it. And the second half, which was a catastrophe. Um, San Lorenzo managed to get the lead from a, from a set piece just after half time. And if you thought they were, you know, they were dogged defenders. At nil nil, wait until they go one nil up. Very very difficult indeed. A task made made even harder by Racing's very own um, conspirator against um, one of uh, Argentina's beloved political figures, Tomás Changalé, um, who compounded his um, his dark dealings by getting sent off roughly ten minutes after coming on. What's this about Chankalai? That I feel like I did you not say I alluded to it in the um, in the hand of pod WhatsApp group? Yes, I did. Shortly before Seva sent a four minute WhatsApp, yes, which exactly. I assume no one listened to. Tend to just switch off. Yeah, we all switched off. Um, so you were aware that Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner is um, in a little bit of legal trouble at the moment? Yes, I'm not so far out of the football loop that I'm unaware of that. Excellent. Um, and after the prosecutor in one of her corruption cases requested a 12-year prison sentence, uh, she went on the offensive, uh, doing a whole Facebook or Twitter, some sort of social media video, kind of pointing the finger at all the um, links between Macri and uh, the justice system and all these 
That's dodgy sounds, dealings. Sounds like Christina. Yes. And she came across a chancalai on the on one of the chats between Magri and the judicial operators, I'm not sure which. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know what Chancalai is doing there. He plays harassing. Uh, it turns out this Chancalai is a puntero, like a, a political frontman in one of Buenos Aires' uh, peripheral zones. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't Tomas Chancalai, but I'm all in favour of prosecuting him anyway because he was a fucking idiot um, on Monday. And despite that, Racing did manage to get an equaliser uh, through the great Enzo Cobedi. He doesn't have a huge amount more brains than Chancalai, but he's using what little he has at the moment to very good, um, to very good effect, and indeed scored the goal with his head. Um, only for Racing to probably make the wrong decision to go for the win rather than just say, "Right, well, that's ten men, one all, this is fine." Um, and San Lorenzo with just a classic Wimbledon move, the long ball belted from deep. The big target man getting the flick on, and the speedy little um, guy running, little, and then everyone better go strapping. Um, just powering through a very flat footed Racing defence and finishing uh, very coolly. That's uh, his third goal in five matches. Yeah, he's been in a row. Um, he's big. He's 1m87, it says. Yeah. Like that's, that's football score, so it might be Andres's height, but I'm, you know, I'm guessing. Yeah, and it seems uh, like an interesting partnership with Adam Barredo, the not so familiar big man, big man, because uh, they're both fairly tall lads, mm-hmm. at least in the in the Argentine context. Um, it all got worse right at the end when Leo Sigali and Racing their second red uh, again via VAR. Although I think he was already in the yellow, so it was fairly inevitable. Just a bit another kind of petty incident down by the sidelines, just like Chancalais. But since it's straight red now, he's going to be suspended for multiple matches. Um, just after he's come back from like a two-month injury layoff. So all in all, a very disappointing evening to watch Racing, unless you're a San Lorenzo fan. Andres, you were going to say. Yes, taking into account how San Lorenzo has been working recently. They're that, very busy. They're like, they're grafters, definitely. Uh, this bombardier ish uh, thing is is really strange because I imagine ha- that they have might have watched the video. And, hey, this is a player, Argentinian, Slovenian player, uh, and he could come here. Well, yes, let's call him. Mm. And, and he signed him, and now he he's scoring. Uh, I think more goals, or well, it's three. In, Five matches still, but uh, it's total surprise. I think uh, even for San Lorenzo supporters are some members of the well uh, of the club uh, because it's really really uh, uh, shocking. It's been a revelation, definitely. I like I like to think there's some sort of weird connection with Slovenia there, which has made this transfer possible. Like I don't know, maybe show match. Marcelo Tinelli's program is inexplicably really popular in Slovenia, and that's why. Well, He's managed to make him roads there. In, in Wikipedia, it says he was born here. Yes. Uh, yeah, but you still have to know what to look for if you're going to Slovenia to find players. Yeah, it also says he's a metre 93, which shows you what sofa score now. Um, I saw a metre 87, so... Yeah. Uh, so he played for Itusango, 
my my ex's uh, local team, not the one she supported, but the one local to her, uh, Phoenix Los Andes, and then went to Olympia, I'm probably not pronouncing this correctly, but Olympia Ljubljana, um, Ufa in Russia, Ufa. back to Olympia Ljubljana, uh, then to Atletico San Luis in Mexico mm. before joining San Lorenzo. And uh, quite if, a career he's had so far. If this Wikipedia statistics table is to be believed, then the five goals and th- uh, five, three goals in five matches that he scored for San Lorenzo are the only goals and the only matches he's ever played. I think that might not be one hundred percent accurate. Congratulations! Finally opening his account. Yes. Uh, no, he played. He scored thirteen and fifty-seven for Phoenix, thirteen and thirty-six for Los Angeles. Again, if these numbers are to be trusted, which they're probably not. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't really tell us very much. Don't use Wikipedia for your statistics if you want to have a credible football podcast, ladies no. and gents. Or um, SofaScore, apparently. No, indeed, definitely not SofaScore. We just like to laugh at them. And they are handy for reading out the uh, the scores because they tend to... At get least them. get those right. I was going to say that uh, you were making the point that San Lorenzo kind of sn- snuck up on us. Um, just looking at the, the league table, they've won five out of their 15 matches, but looking at their recent form, three of those wins have come in the last five games. And they haven't been dropping, well, they have been dropping points, but they haven't been losing games. Yeah, is what they, I mean. they've, they've lost one of the last five, but they've also lost one of the last one, two, three, four. I think they've only lost two all season, yeah. Uh, they've only lost one in the last nine. Uh, that was the 3-2 against Palomato a couple of weeks ago. Five or six matches ago, they were more more like a, a draw FC. Yeah, yeah. It was like drawing, drawing, drawing. Of course, that's a good point because you don't lose, but you are also, like he said, uh, dropping points. They, they beat Argentinos right at the end of July. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, they had three consecutive draws. Uh, prior to that, it was a win. Prior to that, it was a loss, then another draw. So, I mean, yeah, they, they, they've started winning. I mean, in the last five games, they've won mm. three, drawn one, lost one. So, if they can keep that up for the rest of the season. But they are, of course, facing Carlos Tevez's mighty Rosario Central this coming weekend, which will be um, typically difficult for them, although it wasn't, by the look of it, too difficult for Banfield. Um, mm-hmm. Don't know whether either of you saw it. Agustin Orsi scoring the only goal halfway through the first half. Anything to report? Is that three consecutive defeats for for Central now? It's this is it, the point uh, in which it's, it's three in the last five. Oh, though three in the last five. Lost to Central Cordoba, lost to Tigre, beat Barracas Central, drew with Boca, and have now lost to Banfield. Uh, the statistics do look like they were a little bit unlucky. They Banfield scored from their only shot on target, hmm. and Central seemed to have dominated in most aspects. Otherwise, Andres. No, that, uh, except for the draw against Boca. In a match in which Boca was mm. quite awful, mm. uh, uh, this is the point in which we we should see whether the victory against News is enough for him for Tevez to, to keep it there or, or or if he, they if they keep this way of being quite uh, irregular or well losing more than 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 drawing or winning. Will yeah, inconsistent. I think yeah. it's been the watchword, does not it, under Tevez? If they can get a. F- Couple of wins together, they'll at least stay away from the the shit's done at the bottom of the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big news is Boca actually won a game and scored a goal. Yes, uh, it's shocking news, of course, to hear that Boca Juniors have won a match of football. It's something that so rarely happens. Oh wait, hang on, they've won three of their last five in all competitions and drawn the other two. 
Um, that is that is strange. Taking into account that repeatedly. Well, but then those games have been against Patronato, Platense, yes, Agropecuario. Agropecuario. I mean, Central in not great shape. It's kind of the minimum you'd expect from Boca. <laughs> it is. Um, they are difficult to break down. They've kept three clean sheets in a row, and it's going to be an interesting mm. test for the league leaders this coming weekend who visit the Bombonera. You know, Atletico Tucumán. Yeah. If they can break down Boca's defence, if not necessarily, if they can yeah. keep them out at the other end. Um, I mean, yeah, because they went really. They went the best part of. 360 minutes without scoring because they scored early against Agropecuario and right at the end against Defensive yeah, Justicia. From, from the point of view of Boca, that will make mean uh, for Rossi to, to, to keep the... the uh, he will still be the, the goalkeeper. Uh, yeah. as He's not conceded since Romero signed for yeah. Boca. Yes. So, the Romero curse Romero forever fated to be a substitute <laughs> keeper. <laughs> I think it's clear right at this point that uh, they brought... Uh, Romero just to bother Rossi. Uh, it's like that, I think. Uh, of course, Romero was training, not uh, close to 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 signing a contract with Racing, but still, I think it's clear that it's like that. Yeah. Uh, and Atletico Tucumán will be, I think, that those matches in which, of course, difficult because Boca at Bomorea is always uh, uh, tough. But uh, if they if, if they get away from there with uh, a decent draw, I think it will be. Quite good for them, and for me that will mean that they were. Of course, perhaps you may say that they are, but clear candidates. Mm. Yeah, uh, Dan. Back to Boca. You said we, we were watching the, the goals from the weekend on YouTube mm. uh, just before we started recording because, as I mentioned, I hadn't seen any of them at all. Um, and when the Boca one went in, you said that they were quite poor. So I'm assuming that you actually watched this. I did, as in as much as anyone can train attention on a game which was largely devoid of any sort of um, excitement or talking points. Uh, the goal that decided it, the only goal of the game, um, came in the 92nd minute and it was Boca's second shot on target and sixth overall in the entire game, which I think gives you a fairly decent um, idea of, of what Boca set out to do, what they always set out to do. Uh, when they're on the road, which is defend, 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 not give anything up and hope for a miracle, really. Which they just about got it in the end. Um, but it was harsh. I've got to say, Defensive Corticia didn't do a huge amount as well, but then we're talking about teams in very different situations. Defence are very much in a rebuilding phase, I think, um, after doing so well in the last couple of years. Uh, not quite happening for them yet, and they're getting really, Becker says he's getting blood out of a stone to um, to keep him more or less uh, competitive given the, the resources at his grasp. He lost uh, a lot of wolf. Uh, Berentiel... Yeah, uh, that's Paul what I'm saying. Um, really is having to perform miracles um, just to give him a flight. And in that context, I, th- I don't think you'd be... You'd be wrong in expecting a little bit more from Boca. Um, but it's not... Yeah, it's not happening. Um Fans are obviously gonna be happy. They they won, but um, just like you can't win every cup tie on a penalty shootout after not shooting a target once in the whole game, you can't win every game in a league one nil with a goal in the last minute. Mm. And 
I'm just looking, I mean, considering that the goal didn't come until the last minute, it's interesting that, so first of all, I'll say before I launch this actually, on the television at the moment, the, the angry men who shout at microphones um, are suggesting that Dario Benedetto um, is being punished for something, I'm assuming he's been arguing with the manager or something like or that. punching Zambrano in the face. Or, or just being crap since he... Or he attacking against their, his teammates. Um, which we mentioned, you know, we mentioned that he'd been crap a couple of weeks ago, I think. Mm. Uh, so they're now starting to notice that after he's been out of the team. He wasn't even on the bench, if this is correct. Um, but my the point I was going to make was that they took ages and ages and ages huffing and puffing to try to get a goal, and they only made three substitutions. And you've mm. got, I mean, okay, first of all, Norberto Briasco left on the be- left on the bench, <laughs> not coming on, which underlines I mean, it's how ridiculous it was that they decided to sign him centre forwards in the first place uh, but you've also got Oscar Romero on the bench and not being yeah. sent on uh, Aaron Molinas who you've been raving about down this season and who it was just saying just there um, has had an offer from a Portuguese club although they're kind of on the screen because obviously we're listening on mute listening watching on mute uh, didn't tell us which Portuguese club it was but he was only sent on with eight minutes to go there's a bit of a kind of I mean I'm just looking at the bench and I'm thinking, I, don't, I haven't heard of most of these people. But I think What's the problem on? runs deeper than this player's in, this player's out, because the big problem Boca have is that they don't have a system which is in any shape or form coherent, uh, attacking, mm. there's no clear path to go. So you put in these really good players like Oscar Romero, Aaron Molina or uh, Paul Fernandez, who's... Not, you know, he's been in the team, but he's not exactly been setting the world on fire. And these are players, you know, of proven pedigree. Um, not so much Molinas, but he's got the potential. But Romero and Fernandez are proven players at this level. They've shown many times, you know, at Racing, at San Lorenzo, wherever, that uh, they can get the job done. Um, but they just can't function in a team that doesn't function. Mm. Um, and that's going to be, you know, that's going to be Boca's problem, even if they go out now and, I don't know, sign Cavani, Ronaldinho, uh, Pelé, uh, they Messi. Went the, they went to the airport to look for Cavani because they said that he will be uh, coming to Argentina. Was it? Uh, so when you yeah. say they, we talk hey. in the, the media. But, no, but a lot of supporters, because media oh, okay. related to Boca said <laughs> Cavani is coming and... and Hope was there and, well, Cavani didn't uh, appear. Yeah, you'd right. have to have a heart of stone not to laugh. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Hope is, is for Boca, it's like players, not for a, a team built by, by those players. It's, it's only players, and in this case it's, for example, Bisha, who is the only one who you say, oh, well, he may, if he's in a good uh, uh, match, he could do something different than nothing else. Yeah. That's it. I mean, and, you know, you're buying these new players, you're adding them. It's just throwing good money after bad until you get a proper coach who's going to put in a proper system and make the players who are actually there actually actually play. Hmm. Uh, and that's not happened at Boca for, for a long time. No, indeed. Um, it's time to talk about the league leaders. <laughs> kind of mental note to do this, first of all. Uh, but we didn't do, we got sidetracked, and in fairness, they gave us something to talk about with that, first of all, a 4-0 win over 
a Barracas Central team who are strangers to defeat but don't often lose heavily and you know mm. in fairness they tend to I think hang on do they avoid defeat more times than they they yeah they do just about uh, they, they their wins plus draws is nine and uh, defeats is six so they avoid defeat more often mm. than they are beaten um, we should say in for Atletico to Man they're just in that kind of uh, situation where everything they touch Indeed. turns to goal. So the the first goal uh, was scored uh, halfway through the first half by Cristian Menendez when a ball was played into the box, which he, he turned around, I think, expecting the ball in front of him mm. from the look of it when we watched the video earlier. Uh, it hit him on the heel, looped up into the air, and he was able to adjust and whack it in unmarked with an overhead kick. I think Messi scored one similar recently, right? For PSG. Possibly. Yes. Oh, yeah, the one that yes. Santi said was uh, like that Ronaldinho one from they But they, they, they so were. Christian Menendez equals <laughs> Messi equals Ronaldinho. Indeed. Uh, the second goal came early in the second half. Menendez setting up Ramiro Rodriguez. I think it was the third one, wasn't it? That the goalkeeper was just. Yes, Rodriguez's one was the normal goal of the four. Yeah. Um, with Joaquin Pereira putting it, I mean, shaping to put in a cross to absolutely nobody on the left wing mm. and then from quite a deep position but then spotting that the goalkeeper had, for some reason... Right wing, I think it was. Penalty. And he, he went right, to yes, in left-footed, right, right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant to say, left-footed. Um, and hooked it into an unguarded net. And then in the 93rd minute, Matteo Coronel, after a Barracas Central corner, got half-cleared, whacking one in. You've probably seen the videos by now, because I imagine that, that went viral quite quickly. Uh, <laughs> from 70 metres, 70 yards-ish out. Should be candidate for... Uh, Prices they get to the best goals in the year. It's got to be up there, hasn't it? They always put at least one of those. Yeah. yeah. At least in the ridiculously long distance category, mm. category it should um, And if they go on to the league, will it be the greatest yes. goal in the history of Argentine football? That's mm. the real question. Yes. Club football, maybe. There are quite <laughs> obvious one that is better than it at national team level. Indeed. Um, but yeah, Regardless of the goalkeeper who was ridiculously ahead in the the pitch but mm. yeah I really wasn't sure what he was doing I mean he, he hadn't gone up for the corner there wasn't any point going up for the corner anyway you're 3-0 no. down it's the 93rd minute so why would you do that and yet he was far up enough to get beaten with a lot from 70 metres so who knows um, Himnasia in second uh, I keep on finding it difficult to find Himnasia's Results in this. Ah, they drew with Aldosili. So, when we said earlier that uh, Atletico took They drew, yes. They were one point behind and now they're free because they, they drew. Yeah, they've actually stretched their lead. Uh, did either of you see that one? No, because no, it was at the same time as Atletico. Ah, okay. That's, I was a, watching that's a defensible reason to have not watched it. Yeah. Uh, I, of course, didn't watch it because I've already said I didn't watch it. Uh, although that was on Tuesday, wasn't it? That wasn't on at the weekend. That was um, just a couple of days ago. For uh, because because of the weekend rounds last week. Um, there is, however, bigger news, I would say, regarding Aldo Sibi that doesn't really have anything to do with Aldo Sibi themselves. I mean, they got their cars burnt again? No, the stadium. Oh. You know, I mentioned it before we started recording, and I was slightly surprised you hadn't heard about it. But we'll get on to that in the second half, uh, if I remember, which I don't always, but hopefully I will this time. Uh, anything else? Oh, River. Andres. How did River do? Saving the... Well, this uh, against Central Cordoba, well, perhaps you would say or preview a, a match like that with easy, easy victory from River, but in this 
point of being one match, great match and one dull match or one not so good match. Uh, in this case, it was all perfect for them because, especially because Central Cordoba, the the the, the Balbos team, the uh, the one that who Dan's ma mentioned that he he was working with Julio Lamas, former basketball coach, uh, decided to open to play openly in River, which it is it is known that if you play trying to block them or trying to defend highly. Uh, you will put things di difficult for them, and if you try to attack them, you you may suffer. Oh, well, this this was the case, and River opened this, the score uh, relatively early with a, a goal from Solari, who is in a state of grace, we will say. He yes, had three goals in three matches now. Yes. Twice against Newlands, obviously didn't score the previous game, so it was a nil now against Arsenal, and he's now opened the score against Central Cordoba. Uh, who is, has adapted quite quickly to the, to, the, to the team, to the club, to, to, the, to what, yes, uh, what Gachardo wants from him, uh, which is, of course doesn't occur uh, so often. Uh, and then it was Borja who, who scored his first ever goal at Monumental, through uh, a header, and then Suculini. It was two goals from a corner kick, uh, um, but uh, uh, overall it was a, a clear, clear uh, uh, victory for for them for River and, and uh, with what is good for you especially Sam Juanfer from the start. Yeah, uh, I didn't watch. Yeah, <laughs> typical. There, and there. So so well, I, I I hope that this that finally Gerard uh, finds uh, uh, the, the 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 players to the way that he he wants to play uh, because it is like this like the the, the roller coaster I, I mentioned. I think it was two episodes ago, or, or the last one, uh, in which it's one match, one great match, one match not so good, or, 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 or perhaps decent, but not spectacular. And I think that at this point, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, 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 doesn't make for River a team to, to... I mean, if you ask me uh, if for what this River at this point, I will say that five, they are five. And that is the great position or the correct position for them in the table. Yeah, they start, it's starting to come together now. I was just trying to look. It's a little bit difficult because Sofa Score gives you like all of the results in all the matches and just in the order the games have played without making it immediately obvious what's in what competition. But I was trying to look at their <coughs> form in the league prior to the Copa Libertadores elimination and then compare it with afterwards. So we've got in the. Let's do. Right, I think they've played. Since they went out of the Libertadores in the league, they've played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches. So, before the Libertadores, they had, uh, before they went out of the Libertadores, I should say, the eight matches before that were uh, defeat to Huracan, just in the league. Defeat to Huracan, they've got uh, two losses. I think that defeat against Huracan was just previous to the second leg of the round of 16 Copa Libertadores match. And they were, of course, with all of the, they, they were clearly focused on that. Yeah, of course. Uh, so if we include the two legs of the, what was it, the semi-final? No. Round of City. Their last two Copa de la Liga Profesional matches as well, because that's, you know, the last eight league and in inverted commas games that they played. So we've got one, two, three, four, five wins, uh, two draws and two losses. And since they've got, one, two, three, four, five, 
Five wins, one draw, one loss in the six games since. Oh, hang on. Yeah, I miscounted somewhere there, haven't I? Anyway. The thing is that they were... The is, they were they did all right. In the previously. last seven, they've won five games, so they're starting to yes. come into form. Yeah. Um, the thing is that they were previously, perhaps, in the in, a, in a, not a, uh, their, their best form, and especially the game against Arsenal, the previous to this, to the, mm. the, the, the victory against Central Córdoba, was like they, they felt like a defeat, because in that match, Atletico Tucumán was... They also got a draw. Yeah. And that would mean, of course, would have meant to, to, to make shorter the... The distance. Yeah, and I think some. I remember um, the the what the on pitch interview with. Um, I think it was Javier Pinola. Did he play that much afterwards? Yes. Uh, and they they put that. To he him will keep. Sense. It looks like he will keep uh, as a in a starting lineup mm. because uh, well, Pablo Diaz is still recovering, or he has already recovered, but not. Uh, it looks like he's not at at one hundred percent. Uh, well, Gonzalo Pires, we know why he's not playing, uh, and uh, he found quite quite good uh, performances. Mm. So yeah, well, in fact, I've just seen he was man of the match in, in the and uh, Mamana and with Mamana in the along him. Yeah, um, but they asked him after that game whether it felt like a defeat because I like to go to Gomana drop points as well, and he said for the moment we can't really look at their results. We just have to concentrate on what we're doing because we're not high up enough the table yet. Yes, indeed. But um, they're getting there. You know, they, we did say when they went out of the league that if, sorry, when they went out of the Copper, um, that it could be bad news for, for the rest of the league. And they're taking their time to catch up, but they're climbing slowly. That much, and the defeat against Armiento, it was another... Uh, uh, Match, which meant a step behind, uh, or I mean, uh, uh, to go back to the, in, in terms of the performance. Uh, that match and, and the Arsenal draw was were I think the, the the weakest matches, and it's like you say if you point those matches, you might say that River is not a candidate to, to of course to win the, the, the title. No, indeed, uh, but we'll see. They've got seven points to make up. Yes. They've scored seven goals in the last two home matches, which is something. But of course, there is that small matter of a nil-nil draw against Arsenal. Well, I think that only Atletico Tucumán has more goals than. Oh, of course, this four-nil victory against Baraka Central meant that mean that they are the top goal scorer team. I think. Yes, River got twenty-four. Uh, Racing and, oh. pa- and Patronato have both scored twenty-two. Oh. I mean, not that we haven't been talking about Patronato enough on this podcast, of course, but... Patronato had those, like, weird five games where they scored four in each of them. Mm. Yeah. They've also... Patronato have conceded 18 yes. as well. So, you know, 22 goals for and a goal difference of plus four is not necessarily something that you should be overly proud of. No. Um, but, yeah, so River on 24, Racing Patronato on 22, San Lorenzo have scored 21. Um, and then, yeah, Atletico Tucumán, Huracán, Argentinos, Godoy, Cruz, have all scored 18. Oh, Boca have scored 19. And have a negative goal difference in 10th place. <laughs> scored 19, conceded 20. That feels faintly shocking. Sorry, not the top goal scorer, but the one who has the best goal difference for Atletico Tucumán. Plus 12. Ah, yes, of course, yes. yeah. So, yeah, yeah they've been very strong at the back. Six, yeah. So, Rivers is 24 goals, 4 and 13 against, that's 11, yeah. So I told Tucumán I've got a goal difference. Um, half-time break, gents? Why not? Let's, uh, we'll go away and refill our glasses. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Um, we have a couple, I think I think a couple, maybe, of off-pitch things to talk about. Uh, one of them was that thing that I mentioned during the first half we would talk about in the second half, if I remembered. And I am remembering, so we're going to do it right now. Um, now. Four hours and 55 minutes sent. Excellent, thank you very much. That's, That's right. Uh, we're, we're going to not tell you what that is a reference to. Uh, it's something that Dan and I were discussing. Yes. Uh, during the halftime break. Thankfully, it's not how long we plan to record tonight. No. It may or may not be how long we end up recording tonight, but it's not Please. how long we plan to. Uh, if you would like to send in your guesses as to what Dan was talking about just then, uh, that takes four hours and 55 minutes, 45 minutes? 55. 55 minutes. Uh, then, uh, yeah, feel free. Um, hypothetical question. Okay. If you were a football association of a country... Right, which I'm not. And one of, just, just imagine that one of the two biggest clubs in this country, with the biggest stadium in this country, mm-hmm. in the capital city of this country, is spending an absolute fuck-ton of money mm-hmm. to, has just recently improved their pitch and is also expanding the capacity of what is already the country's biggest stadium by about fifteen or 17,000 people to make it South America's sorry, your continent's biggest stadium. Mm-hmm. If this club was doing that all off their own dime and you happen to have good reason to think that they might be happy to also host national team matches, obviously for a fee, but, you know, to host the national team, um, do you think that you would talk to that club about perhaps going back and playing your home matches there again after a couple of years of playing in various other stadiums? Or... Would you yourselves, as the FA, spend lots of your own money on a stadium in just outside a city of about 400,000 people, which isn't particularly well connected to the rest of the country and which has a capacity of 35,000 people and is falling to pieces? I have one follow-up question. Yes. Uh, Does the first stadium in your hypothetical have a beach near it? It doesn't. Ah, then definitely the second one. No question at all. The other thing that the first stadium in this hypothetical has is um, that it belongs to a club who your president doesn't particularly like and indeed recently took the national team to the great rivals of, even though they've also got a, not tiny, but a a smaller stadium that you can't sell as many tickets for. Anyway, uh, in unrelated news, Argentina's Football Association is planning to spend a whole load of money on the Estadio José María Minella. Minella? Minelli. Minella. Minella. Thank you, I've remembered it and then thought I misremembered it. You're thinking of Liza, I think. It must be, must not, yeah. Um, just outside Mar del Plata, or in, on the outskirts of Mar del Plata, whatever. It's the World Cup Stadium from 1978, uh, where Aldo Sibi play their home matches, which is decaying to such an extent that I only found this out when I read the article the other day uh, because I haven't been to a match there since January 2006, um, 7 uh, and it's not obvious on the television pictures the, the, the stand that the TV camera is located in is shut the, you're not allowed to sell tickets to it so you can't go and sit in that stand because the roof on top of that stand uh, is in danger of collapsing. <laughs> so they're going to redo the roof. 
mean, it sounds like it needs work anyway. Yeah, to be fair. They're going to put in loads of seats so apparently behind die. the goals and yeah. everything. When, once they've done all this, capacity is up to 35,000, and that's going to be the new home of the national team. Yeah. Apparently. And they'll see. I would not like to suggest that there might be some money laundering going on here or <laughs> contracts for Claudio Tapia's mates or any of the rest of it. Um, but it strikes me as a bit of a silly idea. Um, I mean, I'm in favour um, as much in Argentina as it, anywhere in the world of a national team going everywhere in a country. So am I. Um, no, that's not what is being suggested here. No, no, I get that. Um, so that's where I'll draw the line, I think. if It's a lovely old stadium, I must say, the, the Liza Manelli. Uh, I've been there a few times for Torneo Verano games. Very much enjoyed it. Um, it's definitely, you know, you make a weekend of it going down, going down, going to the beach, yeah, having a bit of fun. Fucking far away. Well, yeah, <laughs> naturally, um, which is always, you know, a a bonus. And I'm sure if they do play games in Mar del Plata, uh, that will make it a lot easier to sell it to Anna to um, <laughs> to be able to go to them. Uh, but yeah, um, in the same sense, having any fixed national stadium is silly because you should take it across the country, especially in a country so fucking huge as Argentina. Uh, so on that principle, I, w- I would be against it. Um, by the same token, I don't think River should have a monopoly on uh, River no, Stadium should have a monopoly on to be uh, clear, national games right, I'm, just, I'm just not sure that if you're going to decide on a permanent stadium then then the Monumental especially with the work that River are putting into it would seem to me to be the obvious one to just go oh yeah we'll just do that because it's all being done already for us hmm. the advantage of Mar Plata is that uh, you give the city a real shot in the arm when it comes to tourism because if Argentina are playing all of their games there you're going to get thousands of people travelling down and putting money in the economy something that wouldn't happen if it's in Buenos Aires because everyone who goes to the game is from Buenos Aires generally that was one of the points that was made uh, by the people who were supporting the idea yeah Yeah. Uh, I can see you know benefits and drawbacks and it seems from what you like what from what you said that the stadium in any case needs serious uh, investment to stop it falling apart and killing someone which is good. Uh, the investment part, not the falling down and killing someone part. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, yes to games in Mar Plata. No to every game in Mar Plata. That's going to be my official stance. The thing is, this idea wouldn't be, or this wouldn't be happening whether uh, whether this team wasn't in this condition, perhaps. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's how difficult long, to think that, right? Yes. How long is it that the Argentina or national team or the, the, the team is not used as a national team? Hmm. Uh, a lot of time, I think. I think they've had the odd friendly there, possibly. In, in the recent kind of spell of the national team, I mean, which I guess it was under like in qualifying for the 2018 World Cup, wasn't it? They played in Mendoza, they played in San Juan, they've played in that. In Santiago del Estero. Definitely not a white elephant in Santiago del Estero. Um, La Plata. You know, I can't remember them playing at all they played. in La Plata. Um, not recently, During, no. during not our recently. history as a podcast, let's say. Which I think is in the Maradona era, they might have played a game there. You reckon? We'll look it up later. 
Oh, yeah. that, that would, of course, be just before we started recording this podcast, wouldn't it? Because we started after he... Yes, uh, we almost coincided with I understand that we have, we have, for example, the, the Madre de Ciudades Stadium, the Santiago del Estero Stadium, yeah. which is great, new stadium, and but it's, of course, far, quite far, because it's uh, well on the north, and, mm. and in fact, I, th I think when Argentina played with Chile for, uh, for the qualifiers, Chile complained about uh, that, that they made them travel to Santiago del Estero. Yeah. And Argentina were like, yeah, that's the point. Yes. <laughs> of course we're not going to play. And Margarita is quite <laughs> closer to the ones who come from perhaps, uh, I know, perhaps Chile or... or yeah. But, uh, I mean, when, when, when I went to see, I think it was Bausa's first match in charge, uh, but it was Argentina-Uruguay in qualifying for the 2018 World Cup. It, it, was, it was pretty obvious that they had chosen deliberately that, to say, right, Uruguay who are right next to Buenos Aires, if you're coming from Uruguay, you're going to the other side of the country. Mm. We're going to make you cross the continent to get to Mendoza uh, to play this match. You know, it, was, it was pretty obvious that even though it's just as awkward for most of Argentina's players who are flying into Buenos Aires to then fly across yes. to Mendoza as well. Um, it's, it seems entirely spite-based, and I'm here for it, just to be clear. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it seems deaf that you know, you've recently had uh, Santiago del Estero spending all the money on the Madre Ciudades. Big new stadiums in San Juan. In there's one in Chaco as well. At some point, I think, right? Various other places, anyway. And they're being put up by provincial governments. And one of the ways that they're being put up is, oh, we can try and get the national team to play here, like for one match. Which, in itself, obviously, these are stadiums that are being built with a lot of money laundering going on as well. But. For the effort to then turn around and be like, no, we're going to play all of our games in this one other stadium. You're just creating, if they weren't already white elephanty enough, these other grounds, then you're making them into even more of one by saying, no, we're never going to play there. Um, and as I say, I think from a logistical point of view, I just think it, 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 if they're going to say, we want to play at one fixed place, which they shouldn't, but if they are going to do that, I think it makes more sense to play in not necessarily the Monumental, but at least somewhere in Greater Buenos Aires, where a third of the country, the population of the country is. Um, IMO, you know. Yeah, I mean, we should point out that since this is an AFA plan, um, and it involves money and planning, organisation, it's 90% probable that it's not going to happen, mm. ever. Um, what about the World Cup angle, 2030? Is this kind of the well, first the thing, the sneaking steps towards, you know, getting your, your stadiums in a halfway decent state, even before people, you know, people from FIFA come down and realise they're all falling in bits. And there's no infrastructure connecting them to anywhere. Indeed. There's a train term, I'm glad to know, and I've heard very good things about it. I can't wait for them to try and sell that to the German and Dutch fans who come down here. <laughs> I mean, it is a train. You can get the train from Buenos Aires to Mar del yeah. Plata. I mean, you can get a plane as well, but there is yeah. a train. Um, indeed yeah. but yeah anyway it, we, we'll probably go into this well actually not into that specific issue um, but into stadiums where Argentina mm. have played and the aren't in Buenos Aires or at least that aren't the Monumental yeah. in a bit more depth in a Handapod Extra episode mm. uh, to be recorded shortly if you want to listen to that and a whole load of other episodes that are just going up in this like last week and the week before and uh, this next couple of days 
because I'm uploading a big backlog of them, then you can get on over to patreon.com slash handofpod. And we thank you very much if you've already done that. Um, I have some extra footballish news. Good, because I was just about to ask whether either of you had anything else to say. Um, it's about a shirt. Oh, go on. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, go on. Yes. Uh... Lofa Matthias. I apologise to any German listeners if I've absolutely crucified his name, but I'm not a, not very familiar with German pronunciation, unfortunately. Um, he did what Steve Hodge didn't, presumably because he's in much better financial health than Steve Hodge, uh, and he has decided to donate Diego Maradona's shirt from... The 1986 World Cup final against Germany. From sorry to interrupt, but from the first half of that final, because for some reason he swapped shirts from the second half. Half time. No, from the second half. Oh really? Yes. Oh, that's strange. That's why. Did they, did they swap shirts at half time and then swap them again at full time? Then because the article I read earlier said they swapped shirts at half time and that's why he's got the shirt. No, he swapped shirts with Hodger full time. This has been. No, no, but the, the final with Mateus. Oh right, sorry. Um, I don't know which which half it is. Okay. Um, all I know that he had the shirt and now he is donating it to a museum in Spain, I believe. And but they, they, they will come yes in the Argentine embassy embassy in Madrid. Um, they will bring it here anyway, I think. Yeah, this museum and it will make its way yes. here. Yes. This museum yeah. is run by a collector uh, who is Argentine, who mm-hmm. apparently became a collector after somehow getting into the dressing room after the 1986 World Cup final or something and one of the players am I remembering this right? I only read this a few hours ago one of the players gave, gave him a big hug and then gave him his shirt and that mm. was what turned him into a collector he was like 17 at the time oh. uh, so I don't know how as a 17 I'm, I mean, I'm guessing this guy's from an incredibly rich family or something <laughs> and that's the bit of the story that hasn't gone <laughs> mentioned but yeah he was one mm. of the he was the defeated bidder um, when Steve Hodges Maradona shirt went up for auction a couple of months ago. Did we ever find out who got that? Apparently, uh, somebody in Abu Dhabi. Right. Surprise, surprise. Kids are breezy. Um, but yeah, like Gerard Piquet um, and a couple of other names that I can't remember now were, were helping this this Argentine right. guy out to. They, they were putting some money in as well so that he could bid for it to go into this mm-hmm. museum and to. Obviously, the idea for that shirt was to try to bring it back to Argentina, yeah. I think, permanently. But this one's coming back on like a tour, right? I believe so, yes. Um, I, th- I think that's the implication from the fact that the museum it's going to be held in is in Madrid anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, brilliant. Uh, apparently he has more than 5,000 shirts, this guy who has the museum. The biggest private collection in the world. Oh. It's too many really, isn't it? I mean, where would you even start? I mean, I'm all for collecting shirts, but I think... To have room to, to hold that, that number of t-shirts. Is... Yeah. Yeah. You'd need a very big wardrobe. Absolutely. And lots and lots of friends to show them to. And a very big washing machine when they get dirty. Yeah, especially, I mean, sports clothes smell. They do. So yeah, they get musty. You'd, you'd want to make sure that all of these horrible shirts that have been worn by various people in, in you know, professional football matches have been thoroughly washed. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, so, um, anyway, well done, Matthias. Uh, I've almost forgiven you for saying you were going to come to Racing all of those years ago, and then not because your wife decided... She didn't want to live in Buenos Aires or something like that. That was a very silly reason. It was a very silly rumour. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, it I mean, was... But she went to Curitiba. 
Yeah. Well, Curitiba. The club is Curitiba, isn't it? The city's Curitiba. Yes. Have I got that the right way around, or is it the other way around? I feel... I don't know. I remember one, of the, one right. of the two is a very rude word in, in Brazilian Portuguese. Right. And so that's why they called the club the, the other thing. Yeah. Even though the city's already called the rude <laughs> word anyway. And that, um, that was strange, yeah. because that was a time in which there wasn't any, all the time, rumours of... of Players playing in Europe coming to Argentina, hmm. like Vidal, Luis Suarez, or Cavani, hmm. that were this time or what well, last year or this year. It was quite weird. It was all very strange. It's like Mateus's kind of lost years when he was just doing God knows what, having fun in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, having fun all over the world. By the but maybe outside. that gives us permission to pronounce his name in the Brazilian Portuguese way, though, and call him Lota Mateus. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why the hell not? And if you weren't already offended by Dan's attempt to pronounce it the German way earlier, then I apologise. Um, anything else? I'm sure there was at least one other thing that I had in mind for this episode. We saw the most Argentine thing in the history of either football or Argentina earlier on Tese, which was yes. Rodolfo Arrua Barrina um, revealing the contents of a personal call made right in the middle of Perhaps the most earth-shaking episode to occur in Argentine football in the last 10 years. I'm going to say there's one thing that could make it more Argentine, and that is if it was a four-minute long WhatsApp voice message. This was before WhatsApp, I think, 2015. In the very early days. Um, So Arrua Barrena, of course, was in charge for the infamous uh, pepper spray game, the Copa Libertadores quarterfinal, or last 16. Ooh. Uh, anyway, one of those two games uh, between Boca and River, uh, where River River's players got doused with a homemade pepper spray um, as they were coming back out. Uh, last, last sixteen. Last sixteen, as they were coming back out on the Bombonera pitch, um, a lot of them were in very bad state. The game was after a lot of kerfuffle and silliness. Uh, suspended and River eventually awarded the win and now Arrua Barrena has kind of given us this insight into what was going through his, his players' minds in this time like were they nervous were they thinking oh our, um, our Copa Libertadores bids on the line what are we going to do are we, are we going to play this game how should we confront it if we do actually go back out there um, except for Jonathan Caleri um, by all accounts uh, ex-Boca player who the last time I saw him was in Alaves, but I'm sure. I think it's Paulo. I knew. He, wasn't that? Wasn't Sao Paulo before? Oh, yes. Does get around. Yes, yes, he was, and now he's again. Oh, now he's back. Okay. So very flighty. He's only 28 still. Bloody yeah. Uh, yeah, he was very young, which sort of explains um, possibly his reaction to that game. Uh, Roa Barrena came on TV today and said that. In the middle of all this chaos, all of this uncertainty, anxiety, uh, he sees Caleri on the phone. You know, very involved, uh, chatting away. When he hung up, um, he asked him, what, what the hell are you talking about? Well, you know, we're in the middle of Alibertadores' uh, last 16 game. He's like, no, I was on the phone to my mum asking that, um, to make me Milanesas tonight. That's schnitzel for anybody yeah. who doesn't um... I, no, I reckon that most people who listen to this podcast will know what Milanese is. Oh, sure, but I, yeah. I like to, you know, to cover all bases. Fair enough. 
Um, which is just the most Argentine thing for two reasons. First, being concerned about what your dinner's going to be at any time and no matter what the circumstance and be the kind of charming, helpless dependency on, on your mum. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like Coletti now to respond and ask and let us know, did he actually get his Milanesas? So I've just looked up his Wikipedia, although a quick Google shows that Andres is correctly is currently at San Paolo, but I thought I'd go into a little bit more detail um, since Dan couldn't remember him beyond Alaves. Uh, so of course, he first of all, it was at All Boys and then he joined Boca and after Boca, he was loaned to San Paolo. I haven't realised that was on loan. It was um, one of these shady third-party oh, things. Maldonado, yes. So he was bought by Deportivo Maldonado in Uruguay, for whom he did not play a single match, of course, because no. that's not what they do. Uh, and then he was loaned first to San Paolo. Then, I had completely forgotten about this, to West Ham United. Yes. A little-known club in a city somewhere in the southeast of England. Um, then he went to Las Palmas, Alaves, Espanol, Osasuna in consecutive seasons, all of those, um, and is now currently at San Paolo, still on loan from Deportivo Maldonado. Mm. Um, so there you go. He said that about Deportivo Maldonado, but recently... His, his, sorry to interrupt, but his goal average in this current spell in San Paolo, by the way, is not far off. Yeah, no, it, it's pretty comfortably the best he's had in his career. Oh, since his previous spell in San Paolo. It seems to be his place in the... Place in the world. First time round in Sao Paulo, 16 goals in 31 matches. That's just a shade over one in two. At West Ham, one goal in 18 games. I can do the maths here. That's one in 18. Um, at Las Palmas, 12 in 41. So that's just over one in four. At Alaves, nine in 36, which is Me. pretty much one in four. No, it's exactly one in four, in fact. Uh, Espanol, five in 35. That's one in seven. Osasuna, 6 in 27, that's what, 1 in 4.5. And San Paolo now 25 in 59, which is just under 1, and a, one in 2. Yes. But, you know. but that, that 9 in 36, not, be, not to defend him, means that he played 36 complete games? Or perhaps he... No, no, it's just got appearances, ah. he doesn't miss. 10, ten minutes or, and that is yeah. one game. I mean, that's always the case, right? It, it is, yeah. uh, so it's a worthwhile question. But yeah, basically, since he left San Paolo, he doesn't really seem to have been very good. Any, I mean, I can see how, perhaps... Yeah, the Sudamericana. Given the quality that we said he had when he was at Boca, uh, going to West Ham and playing at Premier League defenders might have been a little bit <laughs> too much for him. Um, but, yeah, they're not great numbers, are they? Until San Paolo... Mm. Dan, you were going to say something? Um, about Deportivo Maldonado, because recently... One of these players who's you know been with them for years and years and years um, without playing actually went to Deportivo Maldonado and played a few games, but I can't for the Why life do that. I guess because he just found himself Idiot. without a club and right. just needed to play anyway. So he thought, oh, why don't I play for my actual club? Hmm. But I can't for the life of me remember who, and it's gonna bug me. And it was someone you know, not a a big big name, but a medium name. Okay. If I find it, I will. Um, I'll let you know, and if, we if can fill in the gap. But it, yeah, it stood out to me as you know the first Deportivo Maldonado player actually to play for Deportivo Maldonado. Wow. It was fairly, um, fairly noteworthy. Possibly in history. Possibly in history. Yeah. <laughs> All of their players before this one were just great players and football manager. Yes, um, with 
10,000 Lainese. Shall we do Lister's questions? Yes. It, this week is actually a Lister's question, um, <laughs> because there has been one sent since, my, since I tweeted at the start of the episode. It is from David Novoshevsky, who says, Who is your pick for Manager of the Year, and why is it in Sua? He's been great, he says, through gritted teeth. Um, first of all, because he is exactly what you expect from an Argentine coach. Just everything about him screams Argentine coach in the best Gorosito tradition. Indeed. Including the absolutely colossal hair. Oh, the hair is... Flowing down his back. And it's a bit too big on the top as mm. well. It's a bit too And I think that combined with his clothes, is is he, he could be easily a, a high metal frontman. Mm. I'm going to suggest... I mean, forgive me for upsetting the apple cart here, but I think like, I, I feel like at the moment... At, at, at the current moment in time, uh, Lucas Bussineri perhaps deserves. An oh, handsome, yeah. Because Atletico Tucumán are top of the league. I, I remember fifteen matches. Yes. I remember watching Atletico Tucumán against River at the Monumental. I, I, I watched. I, I went to watch that game uh, to the stadium, mm. and they were ridiculously defensive. And I mean, you will say that every team that goes to the Monumental plays like that, but they were there were five minutes. In the first half, and the goalkeeper. This was the second match of the of the season. Well, yeah. Yes. They were, there were five or ten minutes in the in the, in the first half, and the goalkeeper was losing time. Mm. Uh, they were clearly trying to get that point, and they did it. How? How? No matter how. And now they are playing. Of course, like he said, uh, it's like everything they do is okay. Like they, everything they uh, goes well for them, and and. And it's like they are with that lucky charm that we don't know whether they will be end up being champions, but uh, uh, everything goes well for them. And so yes, at this point it will be Pusineri and Insua, or or one one uh, the first one will be perhaps Pusineri or Insua. I know. Yeah. Can I suggest a rather left field pick? Oh, no. uh, Facundo Sava and Patronato. Okay, where are Patronato? They are ninth. Six wins, five draws, four defeats. Oh, but considering how up. shit Padre were before, victories over Independiente, Boca, and San Lorenzo, so they're three for three in games against the Grandes. Scoring uh, a lot of goals. Um, and where are they in the relegation table? And he's the only coach to have players arrested this year, which has to be give him a few points in his favour. Mm. To put this into context, they're still bottom of the relegation table. Yeah. And I say to put it into context because if they're in that kind of form and they're bottom of the relegation table, that gives you an idea of how much of a mountain he's trying to climb. Oh, absolutely. Like, they were a very, very long way adrift. I mean, now that I'm looking at it, I'm remembering that until really quite recently, they had way fewer than a point per game in the relegation table. Uh, And now they're up to 1.021. They have broken the, the psychological one-point barrier. Yes. yes, which still leaves them Fact. very much bottom and five points behind Aldo Sibi, who've played the same number of games as them, uh, and eight points behind Central Cordoba, who were the lowest-placed safe team, uh, in inverted commas. Yes. And I'll make you guys a deal, then. If, if Patriarca do escape relegation, he has to be managing. He has, no, yeah, I, I would agree. That, that's... Um, 
Not that we hand out these awards, actually, on Hand the Pod, so it's a slightly pointless question no. from David, really. Try and do better, David, next time. Yeah. Um, well, you spoke for Are we other true candidates? I don't know whether they will be right with Insua and Pusineri, but uh, Gabriel Milito is doing a great job also at Argentina Juniors. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, for me, and the, the, the two coaches from Guadalupe Cruz also. Two? Yeah, they are two, and they have to. It is crazy because they have to. One of them has to be in the in the mm. uh, standing in the in the that box that they have. Yes, that's Sergio Gomez, yes. right? And Marcelo Bielsa's old translator, Diego Flores. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, I feel like we've not really covered Godoy Cruz no. much this season. But they're not um, disqualifying because we haven't got the budget to hand out two trophies. No, that's very so true. Pick a pick a coach and get on with it. Yeah, either. either they had they had some problems uh, in some matches because uh, uh, they, they were both standing and the <laughs> referee said no you one of you one yeah, has yeah. yeah I feel like I need to pay more attention to this uh, they are sixth they're level on points with River as I mentioned mm. at the very start of the episode they're only behind them on goal difference um, quite a long way behind them on goal difference it's true but and they managed points. to beat River in Mendoza I believe which no, has never happened and the monumental what was it. No, I thought it was in Mendoza because River always win in Mendoza in this time. Yeah, ah, but in the in the state, no, in this tournament they were they lost in the Monumental against Godoy Cruz. I'm quite was, sure. Um, At one point, I remember we asked commenting on it. River, yeah, they they beat uh, Godoy Cruz beat River two 0 on the tenth of July in the Monumental. Oh, it was in the Monumental. Ah, so that's not as newsworthy. Um, but did they get a win? Did they play in the Copa de la Liga? Or they did not. No. no, they were opposite. So groups, I was misremembering. Ah, oh, no, we said that if it had been in Mendoza, yes. River would have won easily, but because uh, it yeah, wasn't. Yeah. Yes, yeah. there we go. Yeah. My apologies. Um, anyway, that's it for listeners' questions. Thank you very much, David, for sending in the listeners' questions. <laughs> I'll just check that nobody else has um, sent one in while, I, while we were answering that one. You will for sure receive another question to interest time. Always happens, yes. No, I have to wait next month when, until I'm back. Indeed. Uh, and now we shall go on to Mystic Sam, who's going to tell you what's going to happen this weekend. And it's, well, it's really going to fill Dan in with what's going to happen this weekend. Yes, please, because I'm That's sure I won't be able to watch much football. Okay, Central Cordoba versus Lanús gets us kicked off. That's going to be on Friday evening. Don't watch it. Um, it's going to be a draw. Arsenal versus Huracán, I think, is a win for Huracán. San Lorenzo versus Rosario Central uh, feels to me like an all-action kind of draw. I'll go for a score draw, maybe. Uh, Banfield versus Defensa y Justicia is a Banfield win, he says, without very much conviction. Newells versus Godoy Cruz. I'm going to go for a Newells win, I think. Tachet. Oh, hang on, no, what were we just saying about Godoy Cruz? They're quite good, aren't they? Yes. I'm going to go for a Godoy Cruz win. <laughs> so much Sam pays attention. All of that stuff you just heard, forget about that. None of those guys know what they're talking about. Um, yeah, Godoy Cruz to win. Tacheres versus Racing should be. Perhaps one of the better games, uh, maybe. 
but it's going to rely on Racing turning it on because they Racing will have the advantage that I won't be able to watch him. Mm. Um, so they also, have a bit less pressure. They also have the advantage of being much better at football than Tacheres. Uh, so I'm going to go for them to win. Argentinos versus Platense, I think is... Uh, ooh, the Clásico, of course. Uh, I think Argentinos will win it. Tigre versus River, I think, is going to be a River win, but possibly not as comfortable as if they were playing at home. Barracas Central versus Colón on Sunday at lunchtime is going to be a draw. Sarmiento versus Gimnasia, also on Sunday at lunchtime, is going to be a Gimnasia win. Independiente versus Vélez is a draw. Bo uh, oh, hang on. Vélez are playing in the Libertadores semi-final first leg, aren't they? Right, that's going to be an Independiente win, because Vélez are going to put the kids out. Having said that, Vélez's kids are the first team, so... Mm. I'm going to go for Independiente to win. Uh, Boca versus Atletico Tucumán. Mm. The league leaders, I think, are going to get a win in the Bombonera. That's got nil-nil written all over it for me. I mean, it Horrible might have, much. but, you know, Atletico are coming off a hefty victory. Admittedly, Rossi's slightly less likely to do something completely demented than um, the, the last goalkeeper they faced. No, the yeah, still. The Barragas Thank you. Estudiantes versus Patronato, I think, is going to be an Estudiantes win, although it feels like they always draw when I say they're going to win. And Union versus Aldo CV is going to be an Union win on Monday night, 28th. Wow, Union really fell off, didn't they? We were talking about yes. them as yeah. potential, yes. in inverted they, commas, championship challenges. Yeah. If uh, if Aldo CV going to win in that match... With, a goal, with a game in hand, admittedly, but still... Oh, of course, yeah, but if Aldo City get a win in that match, then Union will have lost the same number of matches as they have won. Uh, and oh, in it's... fact, Union need to win it two by two goals to go, get back to um, neutral goal. Well, if Atletico Tucumán were to lose against Boca and they win the, that game they have and this one, they will be five points away to... Uh, yeah, it's a distance. Yes, um, of course. Yeah. I don't think we'll be seeing Union as champions this no. year. No, I did. Um... Anyway, thank you very much indeed for listening. Uh, and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. English Town. Goodbye. And me, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>